1: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum: President Biden's recognition of the massacre of more than a million Armenians during World War One as genocide has drawn praise from human rights advocates around the world and in California, home to the U.S.'s largest Armenian diaspora. We look at the significance of Biden's declaration and why many Armenian Americans say the fight isn't over. And a new documentary about Sesame Street delves into the beloved children's show's surprisingly radical roots. We meet the director next on Forum. Join us.
0: This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim.
1: On Armenian Remembrance Day this past April 24th, President Biden became the first U.S. president to officially recognize that the killing of more than a million Armenian civilians at the hands of Ottoman Turks during World War I was genocide. Here in California, home to the largest Armenian diaspora in the U.S., the acknowledgement has reverberated through communities who fought for more than a century for the declaration. Joining me now is Susanna Petrosian, Associate Director of the Institute of Armenian Studies at the University of Southern California. Professor Petrosian, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Also with us is Charlie Metesian, Senior Politics Editor at Politico and author of the article, Why Biden's Armenian Genocide Declaration – really is a big deal. Charlie Matesian. glad to have you here as well.
3: Wonderful to be here.
1: And I'll start with you. I had to, I couldn't help but wonder as I, I read your piece in Politico, if you if you believed President Biden would follow through on his campaign promise to declare the Ottoman Empire's massacre of Armenians a genocide until he did it. Charlie Mattessian, are you there? Yes. Uh. I'm not sure if you heard my question, but I'm I'm wondering if you truly believe President Biden would follow through on his oh. campaign promise to declare it a, a genocide.
3: Uh, many of us did not believe it, uh, in, in part because of the long history. I mean, I mean, you're talking about decades of fighting in Washington, D.C. You're talking about decades of American presidents shying away at the last moment, at the moment of truth. And I think the most recent experience that Armenian Americans had with uh, with a president and a genocide declaration was Barack Obama. And Barack Obama, uh, during his tenure, had promised Armenians before coming into office that he was going to recognize the genocide uh, resolution and he was going to recognize the, the the genocide for the first time. I think Armenians felt in many ways betrayed by the decision not to because President Obama turned around in the end under extreme pressure from uh, Turkey and decided not to declare the the uh, the genocide. So, I think many Armenians treated President Biden's promise on the campaign trail with a great deal of skepticism.
1: Mm-hmm. And you have called the reluctance of previous presidents. I mean, you you talked about what Obama did as betrayal. You've called that reluctance an open wound for the Armenian American community. Why?
3: Well, I, I think for lots of reasons. Well, you know, one of them is it, it, it's been this this specter hanging over. Uh, our heads for so long, and it's something we as Armenian Americans, we all live with the ghosts of the genocide. You know we learn these the family stories at an early age, we're shown haunting photographs that we never forget. This is something that we talk about forever in our lives and for for so many Armenian Americans, it's not just an open wound. it's also an uh, an open wound for our uh, for our grandparents and our great grandparents because the armenian american experience was so positive in so many ways. I mean, America was the place that blew the whistle on the genocide at the time. The, the diplomats and the uh, and the reporters and the missionaries that were in the Ottoman Empire at the time were the ones sending back these urgent reports talking about these devastating gen- uh, massacres that were happening. And so on the one hand, America was such a positive force. And then when many of these uh, genocide survivors came to America— uh, in the aftermath of the genocide, their experience, their American experience was so positive because America had given them a place uh, after all of this, this horror. It had given them a place to recover, to rebuild, to actually build lives out of the ashes. And so mm. for all those reasons, it was especially painful for Armenian Americans not to have this country that meant so much to them actually recognize it when much of the rest of the world had already officially recognized it.
1: And Susanna Petrosi and Charlie Matesi was talking about how people learn about this, how generations learn about it. How did you learn about it?
2: Um, Well, for us Armenians, um, we learn, although the discussion can oftentimes fall on the geopolitical side, I think it's important to understand that for us, we grow up with these stories because it was our relatives who went through these massacres, these deportations, it was my grandmother who was born in Lebanon and my grandfather who was born in Egypt. And it's, it's our migration stories that we live every day until today. So we learn it through living.
1: And, and yes, you know, sorry, go on.
2: No, and, um, you know, obviously, you know, we have sc- immense scholarship right now in the international arena for um, us to learn why it happened, the causes, the impacts, the transgenerational trauma that comes with it. But this is our our daily lives and part of our identity.
1: So then what did it mean to you and your family, Susanna, to have the president recognize and declare the Armenian genocide?
2: Well, I think there are a few layers. For us Armenians in the U.S., the genocide, its denial, and the lack of acknowledgement by our own government here has been a huge source of generational trauma, So the US recognition moves us past that and brings us closer to healing. Um, Our relatives do deserve the recognition that their suffering was not accidental and that something is being done to make sure that um, a state does not organize such uh, extermination again. And uh, I think for America and the rest of the world looking, uh, the move underscores Biden's seriousness for human rights as a central principle in his foreign policy and it importantly hints that Washington will not always choose to be silent when human rights are violated. So, um, as an Armenian American, it's important that our foreign policy is sophisticated enough to include a human rights agenda um, in addition to security, trade, and diplomacy and other things that foreign policies include.
1: And, Charlie, Matesin, similar question to you in terms of just what it meant to you, who personally, to your family.
3: It was an incredibly emotional moment, uh, I think, in part because my family had grown up uh, with a grandparent uh, also that was a survivor. My grandfather uh, made it out as a, you know, he made it to the American shores as a penniless orphan teenager who lost everything. Uh, He lost everything in his world. His entire family uh, was murdered. And so for us, uh, I, I wouldn't say you know, I don't I don't think you can ever say a trauma like that you can get closure on, but it was so important mostly for my grandfather's memory and to be able to honor his legacy because my, my grandfather has passed away now. But he loved the country so fiercely, America, and, and everything that it, it gave him as a genocide survivor. And it felt like for the first time that um America had honored his legacy, and also stayed true to its foundational principles and values, the kind of values and principles that my grandfather always believed in and mm-hmm. loved America for. So that's, I think, a, a good distillation of what that moment meant for for Armenian-American families like mine.
1: We're talking with Charlie Mattesian, senior politics editor at Politico and author of the article, Why Biden's Armenian Genocide Declaration Really Is a big deal. And Susanna Petrosin is with Associate Director of the Institute of Armenian Studies at the University of Southern California and I invite you, our listeners, to join the conversation. What was your reaction to Biden's statement? What are your questions about the recognition by the U.S. of the Armenian genocide? And and what are your thoughts on some of the generational trauma that you're hearing Charlie Matesian and Susanna Petrosian talking about, it, and what it takes for generations to heal from this kind of historical trauma? Give us a call at 866-733-6786 with your questions or your thoughts. Again, 866-733-6786. You can You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. You can email us at forum at kqed.org. Charlie, what changed in Turkey's relationship with the U.S. that Biden felt more room to to basically be willing to test its relationship with Turkey in this way? You're a senior politics editor. So can you speak to, to the political calculation here that changed things for him?
3: Right. I think it's important always to keep in mind the political calculus here, because that's what drove the the U.S. denial of recognition for so many decades. And, and basically, the, the way things worked was um, Turkey occupies a very important part of the world, and they were a geostrategic ally, and America couldn't really afford to alienate this ally. And that was that was, I think, the main argument that you would hear. Another argument was that this was some kind of ancient tribal feud. I think there were members of Congress who felt that that this was a tribal feud and America had no business being part of it, which was something I think that was really hurtful for for the older generation of of genocide survivors who felt like, uh, of course, this was something America should weigh in and weigh in on and and lead the moral reckoning on because uh, because of. Uh, how important this this country is in the world, but the more important part was this geostrategic part, and I think for many presidents they, they did not want to uh, alienate Turkey, and Turkey was I think very very sensitive in uh, the idea of affirming a genocide, and, and you know every time that. The resolution would come up for debate in Congress, or uh, the the resolution would be discussed in in Washington. You would have a very strong Turkish reaction. You would see the Turkish lobby in Washington D.C. Uh, all the gears and machinery would crank up and uh, start working the hill and put the pressure on. And there would be threats applied to uh, American interests in Turkey. And then ultimately, presidents would fold at the uh, at the end of that. And what changed, I think, this time is. That entire argument that that Turkey was a a strong ally began to crumble, I think, in recent years. And the moment that Turkey becomes an unreliable ally, it becomes much easier for American presidents then to to affirm the genocide when when so many of them believed it in their bones to begin with and and would almost admit as much. The only reason they didn't uh, affirm the genocide was because they didn't want to alienate a strategic ally. But as long as Turkey was unreliable as long as Turkey was buying a missile defense system from Russia. What's the point then of not affirming the genocide and affirming the U.S. commitment to human rights around the world?
1: And Susanna Petrosyan, as as Charlie Matassin is talking about, um, it is something that Turkey does not want to affirm and, and disputes. But the history of what happened to the Armenian people, what do you think is important for us to understand about the genocide and its impact?
2: Um, So just a second historical background. So for centuries, Armenians lived in eastern Anatolia, which is eastern Turkey today. During World War I, the ruling Young Turks political party decides that Armenians are polluting the Turkish Empire and holding back the Turkic people from fully dominating the area. They claim that Armenians in the Ottoman Empire are allying with Armenians who lived across the border in the Russian Empire. So they had to be eliminated. Um, and they they believe that this elimination, which was done through state organized mass murder and deportations, would shift the region in favor of a more reliable Muslim Turkic majority. So um, what's fundamental here is that this uh, was a modern bureaucratic state that for the first time in history decided to eliminate part of its own citizens, its own citizens who thought that state as uh, his plot of that state as their protector so that's that's the significant part of the armenian genocide
1: we're talking about biden's recognition of the armenian genocide the first u.s president to do so and its impact with Susanna petrosian and charlie Matesian. and we'll have more with them after the break you're listening to forum i'm mina kim Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're joined by Charlie Metessin, Senior Politics Editor, at Politico, and author of the article Why Biden's Armenian Genocide Declaration Really Is a Big Deal. And Susanna Petrosin is with us, Associate Director of the Institute of Armenian Studies at the University of Southern California. We're asking you, our listeners, to tell us what your reaction is to Biden's statement declaring what happened in during World War One uh, when a massacre of more than a million Armenian civilians occurred at the hands of Ottoman Turks. We're asking you what your reaction is to the fact that it's being declared a genocide by the U.S., your questions about the recognition, and your thoughts on the kind of historical trauma that this lack of recognition has had. 866-733-6786 is the number. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also email us, forum at kqbd.org, and you can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at kqbed.org. QED forum. Uh, T. Jacobs writes that President Biden recognizing the Armenian genocide was, quote, long overdue. Michael writes, during the Bush administration, U.S. Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch notably ducked calling it Armenian genocide in her 2008 Senate hearings for becoming ambassador to Armenia. She did admit it was an ethnic cleansing. Charlie Matessi or Susanna Petrosian, don't know if you have any reaction to that from 2008.
3: I think that was just one more example of how uh, diplomats and yeah and and subsequent administrations would tiptoe up to the line, but never quite use the language. And I think that was what was the source of so much frustration among among uh, Armenian Americans, in part because of this massive historic record that was out there, in part because of uh, the the uh, otherwise singularly positive experience that Armenian Americans had in the United States. I mean, for all those reasons, Uh, the reluctance of the country to literally just say the one word and call it what it was and to acknowledge this historic truth. That's what made it so hard for so long.
1: Erdogan's response uh, was to demand a reversal of what Biden had said, uh, that it had opened its own deep wound in relations with Turkey, a NATO ally. Can you talk about what the impact potentially could be of this in your view? I know you're not a a foreign policy expert, Charlie, but I I am curious what your thoughts are on what happens to U.S.-Turkey relations now.
3: Well, I think you have to be honest and acknowledge that they're going to deteriorate further. There's going to be blowback. Uh, The relationship will further uh, deteriorate. I think, you know, some you'll see, uh, you know, lots of examples of, of maybe, uh, you know, Russia drawing out of the, the or I'm sorry, uh, Turkey drawing out of the American orbit. And there's no question that, that our relationship in a myriad of different ways is going to change. But I think at the same time, that relationship has been changing uh, and has been changing for some time. this There's not a single act that Turkey did that led the U.S. to, to finally begin to question how firm this, this alliance was, it was a series of acts. It was, uh, you know, a, a, a number of different incidents and actions in the uh, Erdogan regime. And so over time, I think Turkey ultimately showed that they they were not a, a, an ally that could be relied on. And I think we're just going to continue to see that over time in small ways, whether it's, you know, in, in uh, military relationships, uh, uh, economic relationships, I, I, I think we'll begin to, to see more and more of it.
1: Do you have any thoughts on the ripple effect, Susanna Petrosian?
2: Yeah, I mean, I echo Charlie. I think Biden's move reflects a fundamental and important shift in the relationship between U.S. and Turkey that had already begun. Um, What has changed, I think, is Turkey's worsening human rights record and its aggressive foreign policy behaviors in Syria and Cyprus. And I think this all has strained the patience of U.S. policymakers. And um, so this shift in recognizing the genocide is as much a testament to changing political realities as it is a validation of historical truth. And um, I think that the response from Turkey has not been as disastrous as many expected. Um, Erdogan did not blow up the relationship. Um, he said that uh, the U.S. president is sacrificing ties between NATO allies and um, Uh, For domestic political pressures and he's uh, uh, hinting at uh, Armenian lobby groups, but he fell short of taking any specific action which could have been the freezing of a key defense deal with the US so um, we have yet to see how that develops. And just to add another important aspect of this is Please. the Turkish economy. Its, its currency has not been doing well. There's huge inflation. Um, it's not able to finance its uh, aggressive policies in the Mediterranean, Syria, Libya, as I mentioned. And at the end of the day, the U.S. is too important for Turkey. It needs this relationship more than the U.S. needs Turkey.
1: And let me go to caller Walter in San Leandro. Hi, Walter.
0: Hi. Uh, a question. Uh, for your uh, visitors, will this uh, acknowledgement of a genocide in Armenia encourage the United States to recognize its own genocide and ethnic cleansing of Native Americans? Uh, this is something that is, I think is long overdue, and uh, is this a first step in
3: that direction?
1: Walter, thanks, Charlie Metesian, your thoughts on that?
3: You know, I, I'm not really sure. In, in part because the, the the they're not comparable in lots of ways. I mean, I think in in its most basic essential truth, um, there there are some similarities, but you're talking about different scale, different scope. But also, you're talking about uh, something that is core to uh, our sense of uh, our, our our sense of what America is, who we are as a nation, and and. So I, I don't know. I guess that's a long way of saying I don't know. Uh, I, I think that would be the subject of a fierce fight within the country. We may get to that point at, at, at some juncture in our history, but when you look at the fierceness of the debates that we have now over very small points of American history, you can only imagine how big that fight would be going forward.
1: Well, this is writes Every time a friend sent me an article about Biden potentially calling it a genocide, I responded with a, we'll see, My feeling was that if Obama didn't, he was our last hope. I'm happy to be wrong. One of the things that you have talked a lot about, Susanna Petrosian, are the ways that this has been passed on through generations and the different types of generational trauma that Armenians have endured. Can you, for a moment, just talk about what the effort to get it recognized has looked like in the U.S.? Just to remind Mm -hmm. our listeners...
2: Yeah, I mean, it has been—it has been a long way coming, and um, there's a lot of gratification in the community. Um, This has been the work of a lot of activism, the ANCA. Armenian Assembly, the organizations who have been working with um, within Washington, and it has also been the effort of the voters. You know, um, this whole issue started with Adam Schiff, Senator Adam Schiff, Senator Bob Menendez raising the issue um, in the Senate and bringing it to the national agenda. So. Um, this has been a long time coming. It has been an, a grassroots effort, most importantly, um, and um, it has finally succeeded. So we're all very gratified.
1: And so I guess for a lot of people, the question is, where does it go from here? Because many Armenian Ameri- Americans are saying the work is not over. This this is something that we have long fought for and achieved, but but more needs to happen. Susanna, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: so I think it's, we do acknowledge that this recognition is a symbolic one. Um, it in no way finishes the work. It's a move that will hopefully move Turkey um, and, the, and the rest of the world towards recognition, but most importantly, Turkey, where um, the state continues to deny the genocide to this day, claiming that the deaths were due to conflict between communities and that the deportations were a military necessity, um, and so on and so forth. So um, there's more Turkish and Kurdish scholars in the country beginning to set the record straight, um, at least in the academic arena of the country, but um, there's much work to be done. And um, at the end of the day, it's Turkey uh, having to realize that recognition of the genocide is a positive thing for its development, for for the country to progress um, in a positive way, and that will be sort of the final stage of um, of the work. Charlie Mutesian, you've
1: talked about how the responsibility to have what happened acknowledged as genocide ended up being left to later generations. Why? Why do you think that, in in many ways, initially, for example, your grandfather, that wasn't the central focus of of the remainder of his life?
3: Right. That's a great question. And and I think in many ways it speaks to the American experience, whether you're talking about the Armenian American experience or, or any uh, immigrant group in the U.S., I mean, you have to consider what these people went through at the time. People like my grandfather, um, they, they went through the worst kind of uh, atrocities and barely made it out alive. They had lost everything, and so they're still recovering. Many of them were very young, and all of a sudden, they go on the other side of the world uh, a- a- after a harrowing journey across the Middle East or across Europe to get on a ship to go to the U.S., to get to 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 get to the U.S. So they've, they've gone through this, this, this uh, process, and then they're trying to build a life in a country where many of them never spoke the language. And so that took up so much time, I, I think, and occupied so much of their mind space. And uh, they, they they had no time to focus on the past. They were too immersed in the traditional immigrant, immigrant struggle, the, the struggle to build a business, to buy a home, to raise a family, to, to start their lives anew. And so that was part of it. But also, this was an incredibly traumatic experience. And so many of our grandparents and great, great-grandparents great could never actually speak about it. We were never in my home really truly able to have that conversation with my grandfather about what actually took place with details because it was just too hard on him. It was too painful. It was widely recognized within the family that you couldn't really go too far down that path because it was too hurtful for him. And occasionally, he would give out details but it was just too much. And so uh, for them, it was difficult to talk about. They had so much other things to do that they had no time to worry about the past. And also they didn't want to look back in the past. They didn't want to look over their shoulders for fear of what they might see.
1: Well, Todd writes, thank you Forum and to the panel for doing such a great job bringing additional light to this important issue. My grandfather was born in Amasya. I'm not sure I'm saying that correctly, Um His father was murdered and his family deported on foot to Aleppo. I cried throughout the day of the announcement. Many of us thought this day would never come. And Nalaini writes, I'm so glad that the Armenian genocide was acknowledged by President Biden, so future history is set right and the Armenian people in the U.S. and outside Armenia can begin to heal. In 2009, I was talking to a white, even liberal American lawyer about the killing of Tamil civilians in Sri Lanka, and he declined to call it a genocide. His argument was that I, born a Tamil in what was then Ceylon, was alive and well, therefore the people were not wiped out. He did not acknowledge the loss of identity, home, culture, and everything that goes with it when people have to run away from their homeland. Uh, it, it's an interesting question in terms of the definition and and. The idea of people also, as this person Nalaini writes, that everything that goes with when people have to run away from their homeland. Susanna Petrosian, how do you address the questions around whether that constitutes genocide?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the definition of genocide is, and the key aspect here is the uh, organization by the state to uh, preemptively decide and murder its own citizens to which it's supposed to protect. And genocides don't need to be 100% successful to be genocides. I'm a survivor of descendants of the genocide, the Armenian genocide. And, you know, that does not because I'm here, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen, that my relatives didn't go through that. And I think another important aspect here is that the commemoration of genocide, the recognition, the remembering—it's not all about the past, as we can see. It's also about the living and the and about us and how we go on and um, how we approach um, modern society and look at its failures. Um, so I think that uh, uh, when we look at the definitions, we can you know we can we can see how how all of that fits in.
1: Well, Todd writes, the U.S. media has often taken a both sides approach reporting the genocide, stating that Armenians claim a genocide, but Turks claim something else. An approach that, for example, they would never take in reporting the Holocaust. Should that change in light of this declaration? Will it? It's an interesting question, Charlie Mattesian, that I'll put to you as an editor, <laughs> politics editor. Do you see that changing? And, and what do you think about that approach?
3: Uh, I hope it will change. I, and I, I think it will for a number of news organizations. It's actually something that's been a, a great frustration of mine uh, throughout my career as as news organizations I've worked at have confronted that question. And you know, I obviously had strong feelings on it. and uh, but at the same time, I also understood uh, even if I didn't agree with the 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 positioning, the idea that this was not, Uh, something that in the style book would be called a genocide. But I think what we're seeing now is, uh, you know, this is the the American declaration, the Biden declaration has moved the ball forward in in a a truly substantive way. It's become uh, harder and harder, especially in this country, harder for news organizations, even in this country, to deny this historic truth. And uh, this is the first step toward a moral reckoning. I think the first step toward an uh, an accounting and an accounting that will convince news media organizations that may have stopped just short of calling it genocide. I think ultimately, uh, now that this this uh, declaration has gotten so much publicity, now that the president has taken the step, I think there are a lot of journalists and news organizations that are rethinking their position and and uh, rightfully so.
1: And remind us what nations already claimed it before the U.S., Charlie Mattesian.
3: Uh, there, there were a number of them. Um, you know, I, I it, it several dozen at least. Uh, may, I, you know, uh, maybe thirty, I think, or more. But mm. I, the, I know um, among them are some of the, the the bigger ones. And this was, I think, part of the frustration. You know, that many Armenian Americans had. You, you had Germany, you had France, you had Russia. Among those nations, right, that had uh, made very clear that these massacres were state-sponsored genocide. But not America. And that, again, that speaks to the, that sort of open wound in the Armenian, in the American Armenian experience that we spoke about earlier. I think that is what hurt so bad to many of these survivors who came here. And this country gave them everything, gave them a life, uh, and gave them so much. And they were so deeply grateful, people like my grandfather who were grateful to, to their dying days. But what they never did, what they never got was this this moral reckoning led by the United States and the accountability.
1: And Susanna Petrosian, can you just talk a little bit about the impact here in California? And if you'd like to to share insights on why so many Armenian Americans came to this particular state.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, And just to go off of what Charlie was saying regarding your earlier question, I think in the media, one of the things is um, also the lack of education in the U S about the topic. And I'm hoping that, the activism geared towards recognition now will turn towards education so that um, history and knowledge about the Armenian genocide will become mainstream in schools which will I think have an impact on how the media reports it as well. Um, And uh, so the reaction in Southern California was um, celebratory. Uh, It's uh, Southern California hosts most Armenians outside of Armenia, and um, I think many of them came here for the opportunity. Many of them came here earlier to Fresno because they were farmers in eastern Turkey and they came and did the same thing. They grew the same uh, pomegranates and apricots that they were growing back there in Fresno. Later they migrated um, uh, down to a south for education purposes and um, immigrants tend to go where um, other, their other peoples are. So it just sort of started flooding here and I guess The sunshine probably helped as well.
1: (laughs) Well, I echo Todd in, in thanking you for coming on today and for sharing your insights, knowledge, and also just your personal reaction to the declaration by President Biden. Susanna Petrosian, Associate Director of the Institute of Armenian Studies at the University of Southern California. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having
4: me.
1: And my thanks to you, Charlie Mattesian, senior politics editor at Politico and author of the article, Why Biden's Armenian Genocide Declaration, really is a big deal. Really appreciated having you talking with us as well.
3: Mina, thank you so much for your time.
1: And thank you to our listeners for their questions, their comments, their insights and stories. You're listening to Forum. We'll have another segment next, this time looking at uh, the roots of a beloved children's program, Sesame Street. Stay with us for that. I'm Mina Kim.